welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only fitness, wellness, and insurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Zach Newfeld and Kevin Watt. We're brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the training season well underway, don't get left behind. Maximize your time with personalized and effective sessions and a guide to help you along the way. TriJoy can help. Whether your goal is to lose weight, run a marathon, finish a fondo, or tackle a triathlon, it's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the TriJoy link on the FitSpeak homepage and take your first step to your finish line. We're also brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Here is your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Monuments. Once again, the Wenting's Word of the Week, Monuments. Mention that word to the staff the next time you are at Wentings and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. One more time, our Wentings Word of the Week, Monuments. On the program today, our Fit Tip of the Week, Kevin Watt and I will be telling you the results of the first ever 5 and 10K races out in Hope, but leading things off, our first installment in a series known as Vince Speaks. A few weeks back, we had an opportunity to interview a guy who's done it all. From being a professional soccer player, to elite triathlete, to newspaper columnist, and now as the lead in the Chilliwack performance of The Music Man. We're excited to introduce you to Vince D'Amano. And welcome everybody to FitSpeak. I'm Kevin Hines along with my special guest for the afternoon from Abbotsford. It is Vince D'Amano. First of all, Vince, um, growing up, was sports a, a big deal for you and your family? Uh, thanks for having me, Kevin. It's great to be here. And uh, and yeah, sports was a, was a huge deal. Um, you know, I was originally born in England and when you come to a place like Canada, um, Sports is the only thing that you have to do. The country revolves around sports. And it was a culture shock for the family when we uh, landed in Vancouver and found our way uh, around the Lower Mainland. And everybody played hockey. And uh, I was five years old and hadn't had a pair of skates on yet. So uh, we had to catch up really quickly to the uh, to the sport, sporting world here. And uh, learning to play hockey, learning to skate, that was uh, job number one. So uh, we we all got stuck in as a family pretty darn quick. It was uh, um, uh, you know a goal of my parents to uh, have us assimilate into Canadian culture pretty quickly. And and even though in England soccer is very big, um, uh, hockey is what everybody lived and breathed in the 1970s here in Canada. So we, Paul Henderson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Canada was maybe a defining decade for the national team and. Uh, you know, for a lot of the for the NHL, it was you know kind of the the, the end of the golden age uh, of hockey. Some of the biggest names that have ever played were playing in the seventies and yeah. early eighties. Bobby so. Orr, Phil Esposito, yeah. Bobby Clark. I mean, that was the time. Mm-hmm. Guy Lafleur, Guy Lafleur, <laughs> yes, Guy Lafleur, who famously could have a smoke in between periods and still wow us with his yeah. <laughs> expertise. Uh huh. So your dad big into sports as well. Well, he was, you know, um, a brief story about how we came to Canada. Uh, my dad was a sporting man growing up, but he grew up in World War II and, and, and what followed World War II. And in fact, 
in the 50s he was drafted to go off to Africa and, mm. and fight for the British Army whatever whatever they were doing in Africa in the 50s in he 50s. was mm. he was there and and uh, was wounded twice and sent home and and um, and and that put an end to his um, athletic aspirations he had been selected for the English junior English rugby team as the scrum half and um, uh, was unable to continue to pursue that because of being drafted. Um, when he came back to England, there were very few jobs to be had, and um, he got into the entertainment business and became a singer in, uh, in a band that had some songs on the charts and um, there's you know lots of name dropping that can go on around that. But so was this in the 1950s? It was in the 50s. Yeah, yeah. His band was called the Hepsters. Um, my, uh, for, for those of you over a certain age that are listening to this, my grandmother was Benny Hill's housekeeper. <laughs> um, and, uh, my dad used to pal around with Roger Moore, um, who was filming the saint, uh, at a resort that my dad's band was playing at quite, quite a bit. And so Roger um, Moore, one of, what was he? Bond number three? Bond number uh, he might have been. He was two or three. I can't remember mm, if Lazenby yeah. was in there or right. not. But he mm. was. He came after Connery. Mm. So uh, yeah. So he. You know. We, we. He. That was how he made a living because there were no jobs. But it, it was a very different. Uh, being in the music industry in the fifties wasn't like what it is today. Nobody had a record player in England. So um, you got radio play, and then radio play meant that you got more money when you played a club. So at night, my dad was driving around playing at nightclubs and sleeping during the day and so he had two children my brother and myself and one day he uh i'm four and my brother's two and he decides that he doesn't want to be a rock and roll star anymore he he didn't have children to never see them and at four and two he had no idea who his sons were and decided to make a move so uh my parents sold everything they had and uh um, you know, my childhood memory actually begins on the plane flight over from England. It was just before my fifth birthday. And uh, we landed in Canada with the promise of a job as a auto mechanic. And when we landed, that job didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So we found our way to Vancouver. And the first thing my dad did is he went back to playing in clubs with his, him and his guitar and playing in clubs and eventually did get a job as an auto mechanic. Um and the strange twist of irony about that is that he made about as much money as an auto mechanic as he did as a rock and roll star in England in the 50s. <laughs> so, um, so, but very quickly, uh, we were interested in soccer and so was my dad. Um, and he wanted to be involved in, in all aspects of our lives. So he started to learn how to coach. And um, very quickly, uh, he progressed through the coaching ranks until at one point in the early 70s, he achieved his FIFA International Coaching Certificate. So um, at the time, only 12 men in the world had that coaching certificate. And he achieved some notoriety with that and then went on to coach Canada's 1976 Olympic soccer team. Um, when, How old were you at the time? Well, I'm about well, eight years old in 76. Mm. And... Um, uh, and, and this, that experience of watching my dad go through this in Montreal. So he went off to Montreal. We were living in Vancouver was interesting because it, it wasn't really sinking in as an eight year old, what this meant. Um, but the following year it did. And uh, so it's 1977, uh, upon returning from the Olympics, my father was offered the coaching job of, to head coach the Whitecaps. 
um, and he turned it down. Um, again, a, a lot of people would find this a very strange thing to do, but in those days, professional sports wasn't the same as it was today. So my, the question my father had when he was offered the job is, is, um, is there money in the budget for my family to travel with me? And the answer was no. And so my dad said, well, I'll, I decline then. And he uh, ended up coaching the reserve team. Um, and Tony Waiters took on the job of head coaching, uh, the, the Whitecaps. Now, I, I know this has a, a, uh, not much to do with triathlon, but it is uh, kind of formative uh, as to why I ended up in triathlon. And, and, uh, but also, you know, I think you take inspiration in your life from a whole bunch of different areas. And the very first moment in my life where I felt like I was inspired to explore athletics was, uh, was a, a couple of moments around that decision that my dad made. And which uh, decision is that? Well, the decision not to coach. Not to coach. Coast. Okay. So, um, so 1977, um, I, I am now, because of the connection that I have through my dad to the Whitecaps, we of course knew all of the Whitecaps, um, on the reserve team in those days was some very famous footballers, Peter Beardsley, which any soccer fan will know who he is, uh, Newcastle center forward, very famous for years. And also Bruce Grobelar, one of the uh, Liverpool goalkeeper who, uh, had a very controversial end to his career with some uh, controversy over game fixing. Um, but, but considered one of the greatest goalies in the Premier League, uh, for, for a decade. Um, so I, I got to warm those guys up. I got to kick balls around with them. And, and then I was one of those ball boys at Empire Stadium. Um, and I happened to be there on the day that Pele played his last professional game ever. I'm a ball boy on the side mm-hmm. of the pitch. Pele's playing for the New York Cosmos against the Whitecaps. And I'm watching this spectacle. I'm, I'm just about 10 years old, close to 10 years old. And my dad had set it up so that I, at the end of the game, went over. My dad's standing there. Tony Waiters is there. There's Pele. Mm. And the halftime entertainment was Greg Joy, who the had won the jumper. silver medal mm-hmm. in the Olympic Games. Yeah. And I think there was there's some statistic, and I, I could be wrong about this, but it was one of Canada's first ever summer olympic medals you know we weren't we weren't known for that this is this again the 70s mm-hmm. but greg joy was a superstar in canada for so he was the halftime medal. intermission show at a soccer game basically a yeah. guy who can jump that's it mm-hmm. yeah and i don't even think he jumped anything i think he just Did came he out and waved at the crowd and <laughs> <laughs> showed off his silver medal mm, yeah which was uh, well uh, you know the country was mad for this guy mm-hmm. at the time and um so at the end of the game i run over and my dad's down in there with Greg Joy, Pele, mm. Tony Waiters, and my dad had given me an autograph book, and I've never collected autographs, uh, but in this leather-bound autograph book, I've got Pele's signature on mm. his last game wow. ever, and Greg Joy, who might have been the first medal Canada won in track and field. Yeah. So, um, so that really stuck with me for a long time, and so uh, you know, obviously, it uh, it made me enthusiastic about soccer. What an imprint! I mean, sports in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I knew it was something that I wanted to do, and it it sparked a passion in me um, uh, that you know, you kind of need to go to another level in any athletics. And from that point on, I mean, I the, the, I, I always had a soccer ball with me from that point on. I mean, it was you know, I, I everybody else practiced once a week, and I practiced four hours a day. 
The first annual Hope 5K was held on March 18th. The overall female winner was Dora Velasquez from Surrey in a time of 21 minutes and 30 seconds. And also on the podium in second place was Sarah Murphy from Hope. And in third place, Patricia Barnes from Chilliwack. And in the men's race, your overall winner from the city of Surrey, running a time of 24 minutes and 30 seconds, Umar Shahid. And in second place, Daniel Barnes from Hope, BC, along with Brett McAvoy in third place from Chilliwack. What was really interesting about this race, Kevin, it was the first ever uh, 5K and 10K race in Hope. And both of the overall winners, and we're talking overall winners, were both female. So as you were mentioning, Velasquez took the overall honors in the 5K. Let's take a look at the results from the 10K. And the overall winner of the race was Karen Nelson from Victoria in a time of 39.45. Good to see her going under 40 minutes. Also on the podium for the women's 10K, Megan Biskey from Hope. And another local, Verena Brish from Hope, got third. Taking a look at the men's results, second place overall, and the men's overall race winner was from Burnaby. His name is Cam, or rather Gabe Began. He came in in a time of 41 minutes and 10 seconds. Also on the podium, just 15 seconds back, was Juan Bowman from Vancouver, and Dave Murphy from Hope got third. Uh, a couple of honorable mentions along the way. I was looking through the race results here, Kevin, and a person who went by the name of Lord Humongous, who comes from the city of Wastelands. I'm not sure where that is. Uh, he registered a time of 49 minutes. Also another honorable mention, Bruce Hendren from Abbotsford, he set a personal best for his 5K, or rather 10K, he finished in 51 minutes. In this week's Fit Tip, we offer up some food for thought, courtesy of the Dr. Gabe Merkin website. And while the stores selling pills might not like this news, the folks over at places like Birchwood Dairy will be smiling because it's about yogurt. If you're over the age of 40 or like to do some running, this is for you. As it turns out, the best way to treat and prevent bone fractures is from eating cheese and yogurt and not from taking calcium pills. Now, the interesting part about this new research is that cheese and yogurt will help. However, milk will not help. You're also not going to heal that stress fracture in your body by putting extra cream in your Tim Hortons double-double either. Here's the deal. Earlier this month, a review of 18 articles that followed about a quarter of a million people over a period of between 3 and 23 years found that folks who ate a lot of yogurt and cheese but didn't drink milk had a reduced chance of getting hip fractures. The obvious question is, why won't milk do the same thing? There's nothing conclusive here yet, but a possible answer lies in the Milky Way galactose. Well, that's got to be the worst pun ever, but let me clarify. In milk, there's a sugar called lactose. It's a combination of two sugars. One is glucose, the other is galactose. It's the galactose that is a pro-inflammatory, something, of course, you don't want to have in your system. And when cheese and yogurt is made, the fermentation process converts that bad stuff into the good stuff, glucose. 
the inflammatory properties are neutralized, but you still get your full shot of calcium. What are other ways to reduce those nasty inflammatories in your system? Well, we've said it a hundred times before, lay off those processed foods, especially processed meats. Fill your diet with fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, and now don't forget some real cheese or some yogurt. You'll get bonus points for eating the unflavored stuff. By doing this, you'll reduce the inflammation in your system and take a significant step in reducing bone fractures. Something to keep in mind on your next run, whether that's down Matsqui Trail or down the aisles at Fruits and Greens in Mission. For the Fit Tip of the Week, I'm Kevin Hines. Hey there, I'm Kevin Watt with your Instagram shoutouts. Our way of acknowledging and thanking folks who are out there in our community and doing great things. First off, a big shout out goes out to the Valley Crew from Abbotsford. They're a group of individuals who love to mountain bike out in the Fraser Valley. You'll find them out in the mountains, tearing up the trails. Secondly, we'd like to acknowledge Dean's World, aka Kelly Jablonski, and the people from the Just Giver for Parkinson's Disease crew. Uh, they're based out of Vancouver. They'll also be hosting the Four Peaks Ride June 3rd. Go out there, climb SFU, Seymour, Grouse, and Cypress Mountain, all followed by a dinner out in Vancouver. And finally, Fitspeak would like to shout out to Fit Canadian Mom from the Tri-City area. She's eating healthy, crushing the Coquitlam Crunch, and training her butt off for the 2018 New York City Marathon, November 4th. Man alive, I sure do like this song. That's it for this time, and remember to like us on Facebook. And if you know someone who's out there doing great things in the fitness, wellness, and endurance sports community, leave us a comment on our main page. Hello, I'm Zach Neufeld, and this is Between the Ears. When I planned this segment, I had to motivate myself to sit down and focus. In my head, I was thinking, do I watch another movie or do I sit down, put out some effort, and feel good about myself? Motivation drives many of the things we do, and sports gives us a way to practice motivating ourselves. A sports psychologist named Dr. Saul Miller says that pressure is a part of motivation. It's the motivation, it's part of the motivation and desire to do something or be somewhat better. So how do we motivate ourselves to be better than ourselves? You know, it's me against me. What is motivation and how can we affect our own motivation? Motivation is a bit of an intangible thing and I can't really explain how I did Iron Man. It was a bit of a blood, sweat and soul wrenching tears kind of thing. But to fit motivation into a scientific and psychological kind of framework, it's defined as process that affects the direction, strength, and persistence of goal-directed behavior. Now you can make it as touchy-feely as you want, I do, but here I'm going to talk more in the scientific frame. The Latin root of the word motivation means to move, as in what moves us towards our goals. A psychologist talks about this movingness in terms of push and pull factors, which are used to describe how we're motivated or moved towards our goals. So. A little more on pull factors. What happens at 5 a.m. when we leave our comfy beds, get our hearty breakfast shoveled into our stomachs, 
of Sunday long runs, why wouldn't we just sleep in? What's that all about? Pull factors work by motivating us towards external rewards. This can be pretty cognitive and even go against other desires that we have, like hunger for food or fatigue for rest. Pull factors are what gets you to eat the after you're already full. We're motivated by the anticipated taste of the dessert, and that's what pulls us to eat it. To apply this to endurance sports, athletes can think of being pulled to the finish line and experiencing that ecstasy when they cross at the end, your family there crying and yelling your name. Pull factors move us towards external reach against the odds. Knowing how to use these pulls can help us perform better. So what can we do? We can build it up in our mind. We can think it bigger, grow it up, wear it out, water it, or we can apply it to endurance sports. Try focusing your attention on the reward and repeatedly visualizing what it will look like to cross, say, the finish line. Meditate on what you want later so you get a taste of that cake in your mind now. Hold that taste in your mind and anticipate it. Get excited so you work harder for the real cake you're training or racing to get to. Let's unpack polls more with a case study. So here's Sherry. She's a runner. She wants to run a half marathon, but she hasn't been very good at staying motivated. She's feeling down, and she told her friend that she signed up for them as her friends were going, her other friends, and she thought she should go along so she doesn't get left behind. She ran in high school, but hasn't done much in terms of running for a while. What can Sherry do to motivate herself? Okay, well, now that she's committed, she can identify what's pulling her to do the race. Maybe she has a desire to achieve some finisher prestige among her friends, or some positive feedback from her friends on Facebook. You know those photos you take after the end of a run? Those are pretty motivating and they keep you feeling pretty good about yourself. Making an intention in herself towards a delicious goal is what she can do. She can focus her thoughts on what she wants so they pull her to get out off the couch and run. By focusing on the pulls of motivation, she can consciously motivate herself and get herself moving towards something even better. Okay. We feel pressure because we want to be better versions of ourselves. We are motivated by pulls in our lives. And now that we know about pulls, they can help us be empowered to practice motivating ourselves. I hope it helps you feel more in control and equipped to motivate yourself in the future. Thanks for listening and remember, to be more motivated, focus on what you want in the future. And here's your FitSpeak 31 upcoming event schedule. Looking ahead to events in the warmer months, over in Fort Langley, the folks at the Prospera Credit Union are gearing up for the sixth edition of the Fraser Valley Grand Fondo. As always, there's three distances, a 50K, 100K, and a 160K event. Until May 1st, you can take advantage of early bird pricing, so pick your distance, whip out that credit card, and start training. Oh yeah, head over to valleygrandfondo.com to get more details. In Mission, coming up this Sunday, that's April the 8th, it's the annual Heritage to Hatsik. They're offering both a 5K and 10K distance race. It's a newer and faster course. This one could just maybe be your PB course. More details for you at penrun.ca. Once again, that's penrun.ca. 
And when you combine biking and running, you get my favorite sport, and that, of course, is duathlon. A reminder that out in Port Coquitlam, the annual Creek Classic event is coming up on Sunday, April 22nd. You get to run 4.5K, bike for 20, and then run another 4.5. The whole event is on trails, so leave that T3 at home and bring your trusty old mountain bike or maybe your cross bike. Google Classic Creek Duathlon. You'll get more details there. Finally, just a reminder, if you have an event, whether that's a race, a clinic, or a new fitness group, we want to hear about it. Leave us a comment on our FitSpeak homepage and we'll be in touch with you. And that's your upcoming event schedule. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only wellness, fitness, and insurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wentings and Mission. Your Wentings word of the week is monuments. FitSpeak is also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Take your first step to the finish line by starting with TriJoy. See the link at the bottom of this page to get in touch and get going. Join us next time when we'll have part two of our interview with Vince D'Amano. Zach Newfeld will be back with some brain food in his feature Between the Ears. We'll have race results from the Heritage Tehatsik race, and Kevin Watt will be here with his social media shout-outs. For all of us here at Fitspeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.